If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, and we'll be reading together verses 4 through 11, 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 11. Let us hear God's Word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. And knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. Now may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we are challenged, that we are changed, and that we never get over it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are well into our series on the Easter effect, and we are talking about how Easter should affect our lives, even after Easter, that it's not just a one-time thing, but it should be affecting our lives and our everyday lives and every part of our life as well. And we talked about how Easter is, it should help us get through any dark Fridays that we find ourselves in because Sunday is coming and Sunday is here. And Pastor Kim talked about what's next and that we should go and tell and that we should follow and obey his commandments. And then we talked about Mary Magdalene and the power of what it was whenever she heard the voice of Jesus call her name. And that's my prayer is that either through a worship service during your prayer time or some point in, in all of our lives, I hope that we are finding ourselves hear the voice of Jesus call our name because it makes an incredible difference in our life. And then, of course, this past Sunday we talked about fishing and talked about how we are all called to be fishermen and, and how Peter and the disciples, they went back fishing and, and I, I've preached it for years that that was sort of a bad thing that they just kind of went back to business as usual after Jesus had risen and that we should never be able to go back to uh, business as usual. But you know what? They actually, I, I talked about last week, is that maybe they were actually going back to the place to where they met Jesus the first time, which was on the Sea of Galilee, and the power in that. And if we are following Jesus, then we should be fishing. Every one of us should be fishers of people and catching people for, with the love of God and with the message of the gospel. And so that brings us to today. And we're going to talk about another personality that was, after, uh, that was around, of course, during the ministry of Jesus, but definitely had a big part to play after the resurrection of Jesus. His name is John. Now, of course, I'm not talking about John the Baptist. We know John the Baptist got beheaded whenever, um, uh, you know, because of Herod, uh, Herod's 
wife's daughter dance for Herod, and, and, and Herod said, I'll give you anything. And his wife told it, said, ask for the head of John the Baptist on the platter. And the Bible's just untidy like that sometimes. And guess what happened? John the Baptist got beheaded. But anyway, but this is John, known as the Apostle John. And John the Apostle, uh, better known, and I'm going to talk about a label in a minute for him, but John, many scholars believe that he wrote uh, his gospel in the books, uh, the Gospel of John, about 90 A.D. So they were written uh, some years after uh, Jesus was, was with him. But he goes back, he writes the Gospel of John. He also writes the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then also uh, the book of Revelation as he is exiled on Patmos uh, as well. And, you know, all biblical writers came to that, even though they were being inspired by God, they still came to the text with sometimes some biases and, and some of their own kind of things. We know that Matthew, uh, if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, he is real big on trying to persuade the Jewish people that Jesus was their Messiah. He keeps pointing back to the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and all. We know that Luke is about the universality of the gospel and all. Mark's just kind of, I call Mark the get it done gospel because he's just like immediately here, Jesus did this, just get her done. You know what I'm talking about? Like Larry the Cable Guy. But anyway, um, not quite like Larry, but anyway, but maybe similar. But John is real big on some labels. And one of the things that John, obviously, whenever he remembered Jesus, he remembers whenever Jesus would label himself as the I Am. Now that goes back, all the way back to Exodus, whenever God says, I Am sent you to Moses. But Jesus is the I Am. And, and John, he, he's the one that notes that Jesus says, I am the bread of life or that I am the way, the truth, and the life, or I am the living water, or I am the light of the world, or I am the good shepherd, all of those things. So, so John sees Jesus as labeling himself that I am. But then John doesn't stop there. John ends up labeling himself. And, uh, and I believe it's because the close relationship he had with Jesus. John ends up labeling himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. In fact, five times in the Gospel of John, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Uh, look at John 20, verse 2, at the resurrection. Then she ran, talking about Mary, and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And so John calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Now also, if you read a little further in that, you're going to find out that John might have had a little pride problem because he liked to notify, he, he liked to note every time that he did something a little better than Peter. In fact, when they go to the tomb, John points out that, you know, the disciple that Jesus loved actually outran Peter to the tomb. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then, oh, whenever they were on the boat, they see Jesus on the seashore. It was me that saw and recognized that was Jesus. Now, Peter jumps in, but it was me that recognized him. And also, John, I don't know, he maybe struggled a little bit there. But John also not only calls himself beloved, but he ends up referring to us as God's beloved as well. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, listen how he says it. Beloved, 
Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so, for our key principle this morning, I I just want to kind of, this is what I want us to get into our heart. If God is love, and we have a relationship with that God who is love, and He's the risen Savior, then we are all labeled as His beloved. Now, here's the thing. This world is, they label us every day. We have been labeled, no matter who you are, what background you're from, we're all labeled at some point in our lives. We're all, we all find ourselves labeled. I mean, you know, whenever you were little kids, you immediately were labeled because of things that you did and all. I, I remember, you know, every, every class has that one kid that picks his boogers. You know what I'm talking about? And he's labeled as, as booger and, and all. Or you may have kids where we were labeled by what we looked like and all. I had big ears for a long time before my head caught up with them. And so, and so I was called ears at a time. I, I remember even in high school we would get labels. I mean, you know, sometimes they weren't good labels. But there was this one label that I got. I played baseball, and whenever I would get on base, um, everybody wanted me to get on base because whenever I get on base and I get down in my stance or whatever, I kind of did this waving of my arms, and our coach ended up calling us the swan, calling me the Swan Man. And I mean, they, and I mean, the fans and the dugout got caught wind of that. And every time I get on base, or if I went in to pitch run and and all, I, I think he put me in sometimes just to see me do that or whatever. And, oh, Swan Man, woo, everybody! But but um, we get labeled sometimes good. I want a bad label. I like it. But anyway, but but we all uh, we get labeled as college students. We we get labeled as whether or not we're gonna what our major is in, or what we're, whether we're gonna graduate or not, or we. We get labeled when we're grown-ups by what we do for a living or by something we did wrong. How many times do you know somebody does one thing wrong or, or mess up something in their life and the next thing you know, they're kind of labeled by that? And I want you to hear something this morning. Nobody gets to label us except for God. Amen? How many of you know? Hey, amen. Listen. Who, who labels the blue jeans that you're wearing? The manufacturer of the blue jeans that you're wearing. Who labeled the car that you're driving? It's the creator of that car that you're driving. I want to tell you something here this morning. The only one that gets to put a label on you is the one who created you and redeemed you, and his name is Jesus, and he is calling us beloved. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk about this morning for just a few minutes. How do we wear the label as God's beloved? How do we wear it well, the label of God's beloved? Number one is this. We must, first of all, if we're going to wear this label well, we need to realize the love that God has for us. Realize the love that he has for us. John, over and over in his gospel and in his letters, remind us of God's love for us. I mean, it's in John that we find John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that no one should perish, but anyone who believes in him shall have everlasting life. That's the love of God that it's talking about. And then 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of 
our sins. In other words, God showed, John continued to tell us about God's love. He continued to show us God's love in all these different ways. And he says the propitiation for our sins. You may be wondering what that is. That's just a fancy 50-cent word that say that he paid our sin debt in full. Now, how many of you, if you were sitting there uh, one day and somebody rang the doorbell and said, I want you to list out all your debts and I'm going to write you one check that will pay every bit of your debts, your house, your car, any credit cards you have, I'm going to pay all of your debts in full. I'm going to just, they're, they're going to be paid in full. How many of you would be happy? Amen? I don't know about you. Yeah, that'd be like awesome. That'd be incredible. And, and paid in full. Folks, Jesus took the worst debt that we ever could have. It was this debt of sin that literally separated us from God, and he paid the price in full for every one of us, and that's the kind of love that he has for us. It's a love that's sacrificial, and we're, we're going to have Holy Communion together this morning, and it reminds us of the love that he has for us. Every time we do that, God is present in a special way to remind us of his love for us. There was a 15-year-old young man who had gotten involved in gangs. His name was Rigo. And Rigo had, had ended up in a youth facility because of the gang involvement and all. He was arrested and, and ended up in this facility. But every Sunday afternoon, they would have a service uh, for the inmates there. And, and the family could come and be with them during the service. And Rigo's mom would show up every Sunday afternoon. And whenever, as soon as she would walk in, Rigo would just start crying. One day, one of the other inmates asked him, said, Rigo, why do you start crying so much whenever you see your mom walk in the room? He said, it's because I know that she had to take seven different buses to come and see me. And she does that every Sunday. And when I think about the sacrifice that she makes because of her love for me, it makes me cry. And folks, I want you to know something. Jesus didn't take seven buses, but his sacrifice was even so much more because of his love for us. He gave himself, his own life, and suffered the debt, suffered the payment for each and every one of us. Number two is this. We must also receive the love that God has for us. We must receive the love that God has for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says it like this, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Listen, we're, we're constantly receiving something. We're constantly taking something in, and we need to ask ourselves, are we, are we receiving a spirit of bondage and fear, or are we receiving the love that God continues to have for us over and over? And God's love for us is there. But listen, how many of you know there's no way that we can possess something if we don't receive it? If somebody has a gift for me, and y'all can bring me gifts anytime, but if somebody has a gift for, gift for me, there's no way that I can possess that gift unless I receive it. And it's the very same with God's love. He's not going to force it on us. He, he's always a perfect gentleman, and, and, and he is, but he is waiting for us to freely receive that love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. 
See, we have to be willing to receive that love so that then we can begin to love him and that we can love him back and love others in that way as well. So not only do we need to realize God's love for us, not only do we receive the love God has for us, but also if we're going to wear this label as God's beloved, then we must also reflect the love of God for others to see. We have to be a reflection of God's love. We, we know what a reflection is. We go by a mirror, what do we do? We see a reflection, amen? And, and, and my family tells me that I really like mirrors. I think it might have something to do with my hair product. But anyway, and, and, but it, it didn't just start yesterday. I remember I was in college, and I, I was, I was uh, on Winter Park Volunteer Fire Department whenever I was in college, and I remember one night, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, we went to this alarm at, this, uh, at these folks' house, and it was just alarm going off, but we had to check the house out. And as we go in, they had this large... Uh, large foyer and this big old mirror and as we're walking in in our fire gear the other fireman noticed that I stopped and was checking my hair under my helmet there just a little bit two o'clock in the morning hey you had to never know what who are you were going to run into you know but anyway but hey, I, I'm sure I got a label on that one too but anyway we won't go there but but a reflection is whenever we see we see in the reflection and what we should be reflecting is Jesus. That's who we should be reflecting. Look, 1 John 4.11 says this, Beloved, okay, he calls us beloved again, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, we're going to reflect it by loving others. That's how we're reflecting God's love into the lives of others. And then Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Folks, if our label is beloved, then we are called to be living and loving like Jesus. We are called to be imitating Jesus in the way that we love and live. Can we do it perfectly? No, we cannot do it perfectly. Should we try? Yes, we should try. Because he says, if you're my beloved, then you're going to be reflecting that. You're going to be imitators of God, imitators of Christ. And that should mean something for each and every one of us. If we're his beloved, that means we belong to him. His love has covered us. His love has sealed us. His love has surrounded us in such a way that we belong to him. I remember whenever I was a little boy, my dad ran the recreation department there in Calypso, T-ball, softball, all that good stuff, and um, grew up playing and, and, all, and whenever I wasn't playing on the field, on the team, then, uh, you know, we'd hang out at the playground or play or ride our bikes up and down the road and, 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 and everything. And, but I remember me and this other little boy were over there playing, probably about 10 years old, I don't know, 9 or 10. And um, I'd started watching movies, you know, and started watching some of the PG movies. That uh, PG was worse back then than it is now. But anyway, the, uh, and, and all, but there was some talk in those movies that wasn't too good. I mean, you know, some cuss words and everything. And so I, I, I for whatever reason, believe, well, they were actors, and if you're acting in the movie, you can say those words. And, and uh, that's not correct, by the way, y'all. But anyway, I, I remember me and this other boy, we were over there playing, and we were acting like we were in a movie. And because we were acting like in a movie, we were saying some of the words from the movie. And I mean, I was letting some fly. 
I mean, I was letting them go. I mean, I was creative in my cussing. Amen. But anyway, but, but, but letting some go. And there was this elderly man that lived right over there near the ballpark, and evidently he heard us, and he made a point to walk over there, and he said, Boys, I think that's enough of that language. And I remember I was so embarrassed. I tried to explain to him that we were just acting out a movie and, and that didn't go over. I mean, he was like, that's enough of that language. And you know, he never told my mom and dad, and, and, and I wasn't for sure, but I, I was sure, I was sure. What really bothered me the most of that was not the fact that I got caught, not the fact that it made me look bad, but what made me feel the worst about that is that I am sure, even though he didn't say it, I was sure that he knew who I belonged to. I'm sure that he knew that that was Tom and Meg's boy. And I think that's what bothered me the most. It wasn't what he was going to think about me, but it was the fact of what he was going to think about the folks that I belonged to. And we need to reflect the love of Jesus, not so that we need to live holy lives, not just so that we can escape hell or not so that we can be blessed or things like that. No, we need to be living holy lives and loving like Jesus so that people will know who we belong to. Amen? Amen. And we need to live and love like we are His beloved. That's my prayer this morning is that we, it's time to wear the label of God's beloved. And we need to live in love in that way. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that we do not always wear that label well. But Lord, wherever we are this morning, whatever we're going through this morning, God, I pray that first of all we will we will actually realize how much you love us and that you call us your beloved. Lord, I pray that any of us here this morning that need to just simply, whether we're in this house of worship, whether we're watching online, Lord, that any of us that need to receive your love, will right now just open our hearts and invite you in and say, Lord, come in to my heart. I receive your love. Work in me, forgive me of my sins, and move in my heart and life. And Lord, uh, maybe there's some of us, Lord, that we just know we haven't been reflecting you very well. And Lord, as we take communion this morning, help us understand the reality of what it means to reflect your love to the lives of others. And help us wear this label well. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord.
hear the good news. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. On a night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes again in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen. At this time, let us take our communion set and open the top part with the, uh, with the bread on it or flip it over to where the bread's on top and open the part with the bread. Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. Let us open the cup. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave it to his disciples and said, This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. Almighty God, Lord, we just thank you for these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray right now, God, that they will spiritually nourish us so that we will receive your love, we will realize your love, and that we will reflect your love every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.